everybody. Welcome back, everyone, to another special episode of Facts versus Rhetoric, continuing on our Connecting the Dots series here. We're at chapter one of the uh, series. We're going to do climate change today. Been digging into the climate debate for a while. We have done several episodes on the dangers of the legislation and the net zero fallacy. Today, we're going to connect the dots and tie the climate agenda into the agenda of the few wanting to control the many under the guise of a climate emergency. Here is how I understand the alleged current climate crisis. The climate crisis is a man-made and reversible threat to the planet that, if our models are correct, could cause human suffering. Carbon emissions and other side effects of our human flourishment could, according to their models, could warm the planet too much and raise the sea levels too much. The humans have caused this climate catastrophe as a result of all the human flourishing that's been taking place over the planet. So in order to reverse the damage done to our planet by the humans, we need to reverse selected areas of human flourishment. All humans will have to suffer now to prevent the suffering that may occur under their models. That's how I understand it. And the whole climate crisis, climate change, climate catastrophe, climate alarmism, the whole climate discussion is one of those discussions that require nuance, right? They can't even settle on one title of this issue because there just seems to be several issues with conflicting solutions that are all competing for your attention to be taken seriously as an existential threat to civilization. And every time I drill down into the, what are we doing here? It's clear to me that we're not serious about fixing specific climate related problems. Furthermore, the climate related problems that we're not serious about fixing are not really problems. The goal of today's episode is to one, illustrate that anything the governments of the world do in the name of climate change is a bad idea based on a falsehood. And we all know that that can only lead to human suffering. And two, if they can convince you that you are the problem, then there will not be enough people in group three. Group three are the people who think for themselves, value freedom, do not obey in advance, and are there to stop any inevitable tyranny that results because of the people in group one who blindly follow what authority says about climate change in this example, without question, and then the people in group two who know this climate thing doesn't make any sense, but they're too afraid of the consequences and they just remain silent. So hopefully today we can convince a lot of people in group two that this is a bad idea. And why is this a bad idea? Let's look at the problems they are telling us we have. And remember the problem, action, solution. So their problem, humans are causing climate change. Their action is to gaslight the world about this climate catastrophe. So then they call for legislation. The Greta Thornburgs of the world run around with a scowl in their face. It's an easy message to get on board with. And their solution, well, you know, it looks like we got to restrict human flourishment to save the planet. They need to create a problem. They need to get the public to demand action and then swoop in with a solution to their made-up problem that advances their agenda while enriching themselves and increasing their control on population. 
a population they need to keep intimidated and scared into giving up their power in exchange for safety and shelter from climate change. So what do we do? We reduce carbon emissions and offset the remaining carbon emissions with renewable energy to stop the warming of the planet and the rising of sea levels. Okay, I got that. So if we do this, can we 100% prevent the global temperatures from warming and the sea levels from rising? Well, no. There's, there's no way to know for sure if this will have any positive effect. But like the COVID vaccine, it won't stop the planet from warming or stop the sea levels from rising, but it may lessen the effects. Maybe, you know, if it doesn't kill you. But you can't prove it won't help you. So trust us, this will help. So off the bat, we need to understand that everything going forward may, in air quotes, help. Probably not, but it may. Also keep in mind that proposed solutions will definitely cause human suffering. That's not up for debate. They will. Not they may, they will. So let's talk it out. Carbon dioxide is a problem. According to their experts, carbon dioxide is the main cause of our global climate crisis. Okay, well, let's look at the facts. Let's look at the what we know about carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is the gas of life. The cycle of life depends on carbon dioxide. The planet needs carbon dioxide for life to exist. We have a symbiotic relationship here with the earth, meaning we both benefit from each other. The natural world benefits from us and we benefit from it. We exhale carbon dioxide which is then absorbed by all the green shit on the planet, which converts it to food and releases clean oxygen as their byproduct. So green leaves use the energy from sunlight through photosynthesis to chemically combine carbon dioxide drawn in from the air with water and nutrients, i.e. nitrogen, from the ground to produce sugars, which are the main source of food, fiber, and fuel for life on Earth. Studies have shown that increased concentrations of carbon dioxide increase photosynthesis, spurring plant growth. For a quarter to half of the Earth's vegetated land has shown significant greening over the last 35 years, largely due to rising levels of atmospheric carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide isn't the only cause for the increased plant growth. Nitrogen, land cover change, and climate change by way of global temperatures, precipitation, and sunlight changes all contribute to the greening effect. So we're getting more green with the more carbon dioxide that is in the atmosphere. Results show that carbon dioxide fertilization explains 70% of the greening effect. Okay, so carbon dioxide makes up 70% of why shit's getting greener. The second most important driver is nitrogen at 9%. So you might be asking yourself, Nick, that carbon dioxide sounds pretty good. It seems to be living up to the gas of life name. And I would agree with you, but here is the issue. Your perception is that carbon dioxide is bad. Your perception is that carbon dioxide is that dirty pollution smoke emanating out of the smokestacks. Your perception has been influenced and your perception influences your beliefs. So now you believe that carbon dioxide is bad. And in order to save the planet, we need to eliminate the gas that the planet and all life on said planet need to survive. So one of the first action steps will be to start looking at carbon dioxide accurately. 
It's the gas of life, not pollution. It also doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around and realize that if carbon emissions will end the planet in 10 years, then how come we're not talking about, I don't know, nuclear-generated power? They produce less carbon emissions than solar, less carbon emissions than geothermal, less carbon emissions than hydropower, and produce the same carbon emissions as offshore wind power. Not to mention, Breder nuclear reactors can power humanity for more than 4 billion years. But Nick, we'll have to deal with nuclear waste at some point. Yes, yes we will. But is our planet going to be burned up while drowning in the next 10 years because of nuclear waste or carbon emissions? Which one is it? You have to pick which, which thing's going to end civilization. Also, let's not pretend that we can't deal with nuclear waste. Do you know we have nuclear waste museums in this country and in other countries with stored nuclear waste on site? You can go in and look at it. It's that safe. People pay money to go look at safely contained nuclear waste. We have the technology. We understand how to use it, store it responsibly. So if carbon emissions are the issue, where's the push for nuclear? If carbon emissions are identified as the enemy, why aren't we looking at the biggest polluter in the world with carbon emissions? The Defense Department, the U.S. military. Since the beginning of the global war on terror in 2001, the military has produced more than 1.2 billion metric tons of greenhouse gases. I'm no metric ton greenhouse gas expert, but that sounds like a lot. The U.S. Defense Department has 585,000 facilities spread over 27 million acres in 160 different fucking countries. The Defense Logistics Agency bought 100 million gallons of fuel in 2018. A Humvee gets between four to eight miles per gallon. An F-35 uses 5,600 liters of fuel per hour. So if you break that down, that's about 2.37 gallons per mile. Not miles per gallon, 2.3 gallons per mile. On a single tank of gas, one of those plants can produce 28 metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent. Again, no metric ton carbon dioxide equivalent expert, but that sounds like a lot. And the United States plans to buy close to 2,500 of these planes, these really fuel-efficient ones that use twice as much fucking fuel as an F-16, with the expectation that they'll fly until at least 2070. But Nick, I thought the world was going to end in 2030. Yeah, listen, that's only for us. Defense Department's going to be spending money long after that. So, if carbon dioxide is going to end the world in 10 years, wouldn't trimming down the $700 billion a year Defense Department kind of an easy place to start? make some strides in the right direction? Can we maybe, I don't know, close some of the 1,000 military bases scattered all over the world? And speaking of jets, if it is all about reducing carbon emissions, then why do the world's elite who profit from this climate agenda, by the way, fly to Davos, fly to Austria in their private jets? 1,500 private jets flew into the World Economic Forum 2022 meeting to discuss the carbon footprint created by citizens, farmers, and livestock. Come on. Billionaires who profit from the climate crisis fly their jets to Austria to discuss carbon footprints. You got politicians buying waterfront homes while gaslighting you about the climate crisis. And they need your vote because their opponent doesn't believe in climate change. 
Hey, you worry about the rise in sea level. I'll enjoy my $8 million sea level mansion with a dock. Hey, we need to be better than this, people. I know your perception has been hijacked, but we need to wake up. If something doesn't make any sense, can we at least look at it and ask some questions? Not that we even need to cut carbon dioxide emissions because it's the gas of life, but even if we did, we're not even being as serious about reducing the carbon as we are about telling you about how fucking serious it is. Yeah, rules for thee and not for me. Also, is will be a running theme in this series. But Nick, we still have a warming crisis and the sea levels are rising. Uh, do we? Do we know that? The global temperature is up one degree Celsius over the last 100 years. About three million years ago, the earth was two to three degrees Celsius warmer than pre-industrial levels. Just a couple of degrees warmer than our current planet is today. The sea level has risen six inches in the last 100 years. Oh, according to climate experts, ah, the experts telling us that we only have 10 years to act or we're dead. How many times can we hear that before we wake up? You remember the boy that cried wolf? You ever heard of that story? You probably taught that to a young person in your life at some point. You know the deal. You know the lesson. Yet here we are falling for the billionaires who cried climate. We all go running every time, except many of us haven't woken up to the fact that there is no climate problem. And all they can do is keep yelling it and keep telling you it's a thing. All of the predictions have been wrong. All of the models used to scare us into legislation are wrong. Let's look at some of the greatest hits. New York Times, 1986, quote, average global temperatures would rise by one and a half to one degree Fahrenheit from 1990 to 2000 if current trends are unchanged, according to Dr. Hansen's findings. Dr. Hansen said the global temperature would rise by another two to four degrees in the following decade. Never happened. Paul Urich, 1986, quote, As University of California physicist John Holdren has said, it is possible that carbon dioxide climate-induced famine could kill as many as a billion people before the year 2020. Didn't happen. In 1989, the Associated Press reported that, according to the United Nations Environmental Program's Noel Brown, quote, entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels and the global warming trend is not reversed by the year 2000, end quote. And then you got more recent geniuses, David Adams and from The Guardian, 2007, quote, UN scientists warn time is running out to tackle global warming. Scientists say eight years left to avoid worse effects, end quote. That was six years ago, seven years ago. Sophie Schroeder, 2018, from Greenpeace, quote, IPCC climate report gives us 10 years to save the world, end quote. John Bowden from The Hill in 2019, quoting AOC, quote, world will end in 12 years if climate change not addressed, end quote. Legislation like the Green New Deal epitomizes the gaslighting done by the politicians thanks to these agencies, these think tanks, and anyone else who can make a living selling the climate crisis narrative. The Green New Deal is based on the reports from two companies, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that's the IPCC, who is the United Nations body for asserting the science related to climate change. Science. Uh, coincidence that the UN has another branch that gives the data they need to advance the UN 2030 agenda? That's just another coincidence. And also the U.S. Global Change Research Program, which is a government agency made up of 13 other government agencies with one vision. Empower the nation with global change science. Hmm. 
So in that, you have the Department of Agriculture, Commerce, Department of Defense, Energy, the Health and Human Services, Department of the Interior, Department of State, Department of Transportation, EPA, NASA, National Science Foundation, Smithsonian Institute, the U.S. Agency for International Development. So it's one big governmental circle jerk handing out papers saying the world's going to end in 10 years. So then the politicians can take those pieces of paper and go, look at this. Look at this report I just got from scientists, climate scientists. The, the best team we could assemble, the best team money could buy. Can't forget the number one polluter in the world is the U.S. Defense Department, who is exempt from any environmental policy, regulation, carbon footprint, net zero bullshit. So these agencies use modeling, right? Because they don't know what's going to happen. So they have all these fucking scary models that, hey, if this happens, then this will happen and then this will happen. So the IPCC looks at their models and they're like, hey, uh, looks like the uh, global temperature is going to go up 1.5 degrees Celsius. Yeah, the risk of that's high. Good, strong possibility that's going to happen. And providing that strong evidence that we just told you we have, you know, we're going to, this could impact the natural and human systems. Reminder, the global temperature is up one degree Celsius in the last 100 years. The IPCC's model seemed to condense 150 years of observed warming into the next 10 to 12 to 15 years. You know, you read their reports, it's like human activity is the dominant cause of observed climate change over the past century. A change in climate is causing sea levels to rise and an increase in wildfires, severe storms, droughts, and other extreme weather events that threaten human life, healthy communities, and critical infrastructure. And when you read these reports, they write them right in there. Like the IPCC has, has the, the caveats of caution in, in their technical data. Because there's one glaring problem with all of these IPCC and climate activists, prognostications of the future. They actually turn out to not represent observed events in reality as it has unfolded. Rather, these models overestimate the extent and timing of warming trends that have been observed. Like I just said, one degree Celsius in the last hundred years, they think, hey, we're gonna do, we can do 1.5 in 10. No problem. In other words, their 10 years to climate tipping point Armageddon, those 10-year tipping point models have been consistently wrong every fucking time, all the time. Yet we're still basing policy on them. They've been wrong at every turn. They never said, whoops, sorry, we, uh, we got that one wrong. We're, uh, we were anticipating it to go this way, but then it went that way. And this is what happened. So we've updated our models. We've notified all the governments of the world. We called Bill Gates, we let the mainstream media know and everyone else, hey, it's not ending, we're good, we made a mistake. That's not, that has not happened. All right, so let's recap. In order to use climate change to advance their agenda, they invented a problem. And also remember, good propaganda is easy to follow and very effective if we target one group. So let's create the problem. The problem is the humans, goddamn humans, caused climate change. Okay. The action, let's gaslight the world about this climate catastrophe caused by the humans. And then we'll have so much outrage that the solution that will be advocated for by the fucking humans will be to restrict human flourishment to save, save the planet. That's the part I don't get. So we're definitely going to suffer because we may suffer down the line. And everything that we use to base that future suffering on has been wrong. Everything that's been used to predict the suffering has been wrong. Hopefully we've illustrated that anything the governments of the world do in the name of climate change is a bad idea that's based on a falsehood, and that can only lead to human suffering. They're basing all of their legislation, all their restrictions on a fucking lie that carbon dioxide is bad. When you look 
at who's calling for these tyrannical measures. It's the people who will benefit financially from the climate change narrative. If they can convince you that you are the problem, then your behavior will follow and you will self-sacrifice yourself. You will self-sacrifice your money, your freedom, your sovereignty at the altar of climate altruism. Like we talked about how crazy regular altruism is when you are forced to do something for somebody else at your own expense. That is fucking ridiculous. And that has led to so much badness throughout human history. This is like that on steroids. Because instead of, instead of sacrificing for your neighbor, who at least you can see, they get you convinced to sacrifice for the fucking planet that you live on. So sacrifice yourself or else the planet's going to have a problem. What are we doing here? Who will be left to enjoy the planet if we all self-sacrifice to save the planet? You got to think for yourself. You got to be critical. You got to never obey in advance and don't go along with a bad idea based on a falsehood. There's a lot of examples of this climate falsehood leading to human suffering. And that's what we're going to get into next episode. Is climate change a problem? I don't fucking know. They don't know. <laughs> should we be a good steward of the planet? Of course. But I don't think we should go along with dangerous regulations and legislations that can't even be quantified or scoreboarded. Can we also think like who's going to decide how much is too much when it comes to your carbon footprint? How will we even know it's working? I mean, if no one admits mistakes or takes responsibility for ever being wrong, how's that going to work? You want to do your part? Go for it. But be as educated on what that even means. Any climate legislation is unconstitutional in this country. Stop trusting the global elites who tell you to sacrifice your happiness, your rights, your freedom, your comfort in the name of the climate crisis, which they profit off of. And they don't even take seriously themselves. So like I said, on the next episode, we'll look at how the few will weaponize this climate agenda against the many. We'll go into examples of human suffering that have resulted from shit like this. Because it sounds like a great idea. You think it's a great idea. They've pumped so much bullshit into your brain. You think you're the problem. You're not the problem. You have one life. Do you want to live it for yourself or do you want to live it watching the fucking carbon footprint of a gas that the earth would really thank you for when you gave it to them? Like, Jesus H. I'll make a deal with you. I'll take this seriously when they take it seriously. Is that fair? When their actions match their words, I'll start listening to what they say. I'm not going to just follow what they say. I'll listen. I'll at least listen to what they say when they fucking act as if this is a real problem. Until then, you can find me on my boat, burning fuel, living my life, enjoying my life, and picking up trash out of the ocean because, you know, I care about the planet.